Well, today is Epiphany. It's uh, the day that Jesus is revealed by the Magi to be the Christ. It's also called in the Eastern traditions Theophany. It's sometimes called Three Kings Day or even celebrated in some traditions as what's called Little Christmas. It happens after the 12 days of Christmas. And so it actually was a couple of days ago, but for, to, for a Sunday, it either goes before or after. It sort of depends. And this year I put it after. Um, but it, it is today when we're going to talk about the wise men. Now, we, we a lot of times skip over the wise men, even uh, singing We Three Kings. How many of you were like, man, this is really long. I don't remember there being this many verses. And when we go to sing the first Noel, it's going to be the same thing. Because a lot of times we skip verses because the song's so long, but we actually skip out a lot on the story. So we're gonna, I'm going to sort of read through the story, and we're going to look at the, uh, the epiphany, the, the coming of the wise men. But I I'm, I'm actually want to take a really pers- uh, specific perspective on this story. And here's what I'm interested in. I'm interested in how these wise men see and then follow God's will. How do they discern where God is leading them, and how do they follow God's will? Because... That's a challenge, I think, for all of us. I think God has a will, a plan, a purpose for us. I think God has stars He wants us to follow. But I wonder if sometimes we miss them or we don't follow them. We either don't see them or we don't see them as really being something we're supposed to head towards. Or we don't have the courage. We, don't have the, we, we feel like we can't go follow. And so I'm interested in how do you see and discern God's will? How do you follow it? So I'm going to read little sections. I'm in Matthew chapter 2. If you want to follow along, I'm going to read a couple verses and talk about them. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star when it rose and have come to worship him. So the first big question are, who are these wise men? Who are these wise men? We've already noted in the children's sermon, they're not numbered. We get the number three from tradition and from the number of gifts. It just says they're these guys that come. We don't know. They're actually not even necessarily all men. Okay, but but we do know that they're called magi, which is not king. Despite what the song says, it's not really a king. The word magi is the same word, root word that we get the word magic from. Magic, magi. And so these are almost certainly not kings. Okay? They, they're actually probably, um, they're probably from some other sort of religion. So we can make a few assumptions here. First of all, it says they're from the east, but if you know your map, you know Israel, there is nothing east. Okay? There is desert. To get anything east of Israel, you have to like hop to somewhere else, which could be. But the tradition that gives us the same names of the wise men um, it says that they're from actually up in modern-day Iraq, which is sort of up the Fertile Crescent and then east, so really to the northeast. Now, some say that maybe it really is east, like they're from India or they're from China. A lot of nativity sets represent this by having, uh, if you look at the wise men, a lot of times they, they're of uh, a little bit mixed diversity. They have different colored skin, sort of representing that they're from around the world. We don't know where they mean from the east. I think Iraq area could, could, be, could be possible. 
Um, but that, that means they journeyed maybe 400 miles, maybe even longer if it's India or somewhere down the Silk Road. Um, they're probably what are called Zoroastrian priests. Zoroastrian was a, it's a religion. It's actually still around a little bit today. But they, it was a religion that wanted to understand the spirituality of the world and looked for secrets. Okay, secret knowledge to understand the spiritual world. And uh, they were very into prophecy. So they would collect Egyptian prophecy. They would collect uh, uh, Hebrew prophecy, old Babylonian stuff. They would want to know all these sacred texts, and they would study them. But they were also kind of like astrologers. So they, they would read the stars. They would read what, you know, what, what are the symbols? What are the, the natural phenomenon telling us about the world? They're trying to discern this sort of super spiritual aspect of the world. Everybody, they're not Jewish. That's probably what we want to say here. Like they're, this is very not a Jewish way of thinking. Okay, this is, a lot of Jewish people wouldn't want to associate with these people because of the way they looked at the world. And we're told in the narrative that they show up, these mystics, these, these magi, show up in Jerusalem after Jesus is born. That's important because it tells us, despite what you might see in a movie, they're not there when Jesus is born. Okay, because it's after that he's born, they show up in Jerusalem, which means then they've got to wait for King Herod, they've got to go through all this, and then finally make their way to find the child in Bethlehem. Apparently they had seen this star. Old translations, it literally says, we've seen it in the east. Do you, do you remember that? Even in some of the carols it says we see them in the east. But, but I don't know if you've ever done the thinking on this. If they're from the east, and they see the star in the east, why in the world did they go west? Like, that doesn't make any sense at all. But it, it's a colloquial phrase. It means, like, the ESV catches it. It means, like, when it rose. Like, the sun rose. So, when it, in its rising is how the ESV sort of translates it. And that's, I mean, it could be that it shows up in the east and then travels over them and goes west. But really, it probably means at its rising. I want you to also notice that it doesn't say here that they followed the star. That actually comes later. What it says is they see this sign of a star rising. They go through the prophets and they sort of find out what prophecy they think this is referring to. And then they head to Jerusalem, which is natural. If you think a king is going to be born, where do you think the king is going to be born? The, the palace. You don't go scour the farmlands for the new king. Okay, if you get a king, a king is born in the palace. So they read the star symbol, and they decide, we've got to go see. So right away, let's notice a couple of things about these wise men. Okay, we call them wise men because they really are wise. They discern the signs. And they've already studied their scriptures, everybody. They already know what, what the scriptures say. So when they see the sign, they're ready to go. And then they have the boldness to leave, to make this huge journey, 400 to 800 miles maybe to get there to see what is going on. There's a, they, they sold out. Once they get God's will, they sell out and they go for it. So they get to Jerusalem and let's continue the story. When Herod heard, the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. But they told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. 
And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Haran summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, So go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. This is a guy, this is a famous historical character. He's called Herod the Great, and he's called Herod the Great for a reason. He had, does major, major building projects. Okay, he builds up Jerusalem, he builds up the temple, uh, he builds a, a city on the, the uh, actually like a, his own man-made harbor called Caesarea Maritima on uh, the Mediterranean Sea. He builds up this fortress called Masada. He is this major, major builder, does amazing things. He's also probably clinically paranoid. Okay, one of the reasons why he builds so much is he wants all these fortresses in every different direction. So if somebody comes for him, then he gets them. At one point, he thinks a couple of his sons are trying to oust him to take his throne, and he has several of his own sons killed. Okay, he also has one of his wives killed because of the same thing, because she's trying to oust him for his sons. In fact, history records it as his favorite wife. I just love that phrase. Yeah, I, I think about it. Like, not, not the worst wife. Not the average wife. Herod so bad he had his favorite wife killed. Okay, so when Herod is troubled, yeah, all Jerusalem's troubled with him. That's how it works with Herod. Okay, they're all fearful. Hey, when Herod gets troubled, somebody dies. You don't want to be near Herod when he's troubled. And when he hears of another king being born, his paranoia goes, whoop. And so what does he do? He, he calls together some of the priests to say, hey, the scribes to say, hey, what, where is this child to be born? And they say, oh, Bethlehem. Bethlehem. Notice he doesn't say king. He actually, he, he does not call the child king. He says, child, where is the Christ to be born? He will not say king. Why? Because he has no intention of ever letting this child be king. So he, he, he goes to the, to the wise men and says, hey, Magi, go. It's in Bethlehem. And uh, then when, you go, when you're done there, come back as I too want to worship this child. But that's a lie. Okay, that is clearly, clearly a lie. When he does find out where the child is, he goes and kills every child that can be about the age based on when the, the wise men saw the star. Now, we don't know at the timing of that. Okay, Herod, when he kills the child, it, it's, he kills the child two years old and younger. But when does the star show up? We don't know. Is it when, the, when Jesus is uh, born? Is it when Jesus uh, is conceived? Is it a sign that happens before anything else happens? We just don't know when the star happens. But, but Herod figures that out. It's about two years. Let's think about this and notice. One, that God's will doesn't normally take you where you think it's going to take you. Wise men think they're supposed to go to where? Jerusalem. They, they, they assume you want to find a king, you go to Jerusalem. But, but a lot of times when you follow God's will, it doesn't take you where you think you're going to go. If you stop and think, you go where you think you're going to go, you're probably not going to end up there. In fact, the wise men going there endangers Jesus. Everybody catch that? The wise men going there actually lets Herod know where this child is going to be. Would have been better if they had just figured it out on their own. They just went there. So, notice also, 
it's always amazing to me in this story, these priests and scribes. Right? Can you imagine telling Herod, oh, the Messiah is going to be born in Bethlehem. And then telling these wise men, then he tells the wise men they're going to go see him. And nobody goes and checks. Not a single one of those scribes was like, is there something happening in Bethlehem? Why don't we go down there? It's about eight miles away, everybody. It's like, uh, you could do that in a day, the way they walked. And nobody goes and checks for themselves. Nobody goes and sees. Are they that afraid of Herod? What is going on there? Right? What a moment in hindsight that they miss. They miss their moment to actually see the Christ child. Okay, verse 9. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. So the Magi either never followed the star until this point, or basically stopped following the star and just went to Jerusalem. They either bailed on the star, or they've never been looking for the star. Because now, the star starts leading them. And they get excited when they see the star. Actually, they get really excited. The, the phrase there is, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Uh, in Greek, it really, it literally, it's like, they joyed a lot of joy with mega joy. <laughs> it's, like a, it's like a really weird phrase. And isn't it interesting that the star guides them, and the star actually guides them to a house. This seems to suggest to a lot of scholars, even from the early church, that this is not a star. And we, we can kind of assume that, because go out tonight and point to the star directly over your house. Right? Have you ever directed somebody to your house and been like, okay, Ursa something, right? Just, just follow Ursa something and then you'll be right. Uh, my, my house is right under that star. Like you can't. No, this star goes over a house. It's moving. It's guiding them to a house. I don't think it's a comet. I think it's something miraculous. A lot of nativity sets have it as a what? An angel. An angel. Okay, and uh, some of our Christmas trees have stars on them, but how many of you have a Christmas tree with an angel on it? Yeah, that's the same tradition. Like it very, could, very well could be uh, an angel. We're not shown that in the text, but something miraculous guides them. And, and of course they have joy, because, because for a little while there, the wise men must have thought that their journey was over. Where am I going? We're waiting on this king. There's no king being born. I wonder how much they questioned the journey. We came all this way and we got nothing. The king hasn't even heard about the new king being born. Isn't that bad? So of course they have joy when the star shows up. Of course, you lose your way sometimes when you're following God's will. You lose sight of what you're heading for. And then, whoop, the star is there again. And there's a great joy of, okay, here we go. We're going on to the next. I think a lot of Christians start following God's will. And then when it gets fuzzy, when they lose sight of where the star's going, they stop. That's not, that's not what you do. The fuzzy is part of the journey. You keep pursuing until the star pops up again, and then you have joy because it gets clearer. Verse 11, And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down, worshipped him, opened their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country, by another way. So the Magi go into a house. It's not a barn. Okay? It's clearly a house, especially at this point. They've been staying in. Uh, they've been staying uh, for a while now in Jerusalem. 
or in Beth in Bethlehem. They're not in a barn. They're in a house. They open gifts. We know what gold is. Gold is valuable. In those days, gold was even more valuable. Okay, in the Middle East, there wasn't a lot of gold. Uh, and so, so very valuable. There's a king's ransom. Frankincense comes from the gum of a resin tree. This is, we sang We Three Kings, and We Three Kings gets the three kings wrong. But it actually gets the gifts very right. Frankincense to offer have I, incense owns a deity nigh, praying and praising, all men raising, worship him. Frankincense was an incense used in worship. Okay, and so it was a, it was a recognition, or like a, sort of a priestly recognition of, uh, of worshiping him. Gold as king. Um, gold, um, gold I bring to crown him again. Song gets that really right. And then myrrh is the oddest of the gifts. It's a fragrant perfume resin, gum resin from South Arabia from, and from Ethiopia from a tree. And it's used sometimes in medicine. It's used sometimes in holy anointing and incense, but its main use is as what? A burial spice, right? What is, what is it? Myrrh is mine. It's bitter perfume breathes a life of gathering gloom, sorrowing, sighing, bleeding, dying, sealed in a stone-cold tomb. See, the, the hymn really gets this one right. It's a burial spice. In the Gospel of John, it's actually used on Jesus after his death, as he's being buried. So there's this recognition that the wise men have of really who the mission of Jesus is. Isn't it interesting? The scribes don't show up. Herod doesn't recognize them. But these weird magicians from out east somewhere show up, and they have a deep sense of Jesus' mission and Jesus' character. Notice, after all the months of travel, their efforts pay off. And they are the first Gentiles to worship Jesus. That's what we are, by the way. And not a lot of people Jewish in here. We're Gentiles. This is the first Christian worship service. Okay? You're doing what they did. You worship. We brought gifts. We are praising God for who Christ is. The wise men set the stage for all of that. They came prepared. See, they, that, that's another thing to notice, is they, they brought gifts. You only bring gifts if you're packing, right? They, they, we tend to like God's will. I wish God would give me the whole plan. I got news for you, God never gives the whole plan, okay? But other people think that to follow God's will is just whimsical, like, eh, whatever, we'll figure it out as we go. No, but th there's also planning. Like, God can lead you in planning and preparation, and God can lead you when you got to wing it because you don't know what you're doing. And the wise men actually do both. And then, and then, they're warned in a dream to go home another way. So here's another way God leads. Okay, God led them through the prophecy and the seeing of the star. Then God led them with a little nudge from Herod. Then God led them as they followed the star, and now they get a dream. God leads us in on lots of different ways. I wish God would pick one way. Email. God, email me exactly what you want. Give me the steps, like, let's go. Okay? God does not work in email. He works in lots of different ways. And if you're going to follow God's will, if you're going to follow the star that God has for you, then you've got to realize God's going to speak to you in lots of different ways. 
you got to listen for God in lots of different ways. And I, that's what I believe. I believe God has a plan and a purpose for you. I believe He has a star for you to follow. I think some way you are meant with your specific gifts to worship God in a certain way in this world, to bring honor to Jesus in the way you live your life. And to do that, you've got to discern your star. And you've got to go for it. Maybe for some of you it's in the church. Maybe for some of you it's outside of the church. Maybe for some of you it's in your family. Maybe for some of you it's some kind of creative act of writing, of art that you've got to work on. But I believe each of you has been given by God a star that you need to notice and you need to follow and you need to pursue, and it is not easy. Okay, You're going to have to sacrifice. You're going to have to go for it. You're going to lose your way sometimes. You're going to need help along the way. But God intends for you to follow your star, to risk, to travel, to bring your gifts, your offerings, your worship. You have gifts to offer. You have stars to follow. Don't miss your stars. May God lead you. May God give you boldness. And may your life bring Jesus glory. Amen.